At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the sports betting network. Back here on the look ahead. I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VSN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. I totally forgot to make any type of Star Wars reference here on the show with it being Star Wars Day. It's May 4th now into May 5th, so we are now into Cinco de Mayo, but we were May 4th when we started, so that was May the 4th be with you. Star Wars Day. Didn't make any Star Wars references. Maybe that's a good thing. I'm Scott Seidenberg once again. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air. So it is Cinco de Mayo. Uh, and no NBA games. No, not tonight. A off night for the NBA because the schedule, well, doesn't make sense. In case you were not aware, we had on uh, Monday... Game one between the Heat Sixers and Suns Mavericks. On Tuesday, game one between, uh, no, sorry, Sunday was game one, Celtics Bucks, Warriors Grizzlies. Monday, game one, Heat Sixers, Suns Mavericks. Tuesday, game two, Celtics Bucks, Warriors Grizzlies. Wednesday, game two, Heat Sixers, Suns Mavericks. Thursday, you would think we would have... No, no. No games on Thursday. Okay, all right, I get it. A little extra off day because they're traveling to the different sites, right? So now we're going to have game threes in other cities. So, okay, so Friday we'll get back to the Warriors game and then the Celtics game. Nope. Nope. Friday is going to be the teams that we saw here on Wednesday. Heat Sixers will go from Miami to Philadelphia. Suns Mavericks will go from Phoenix to Dallas. On Saturday, we get Celtics Bucks from Milwaukee and Grizzlies Warriors from San Francisco. Then on Sunday, Suns Mavericks, Heat Sixers. Those are the game fours. On Monday... Game fours between Celtics, Bucks, Grizzlies, Warriors. 
Tuesday, not an off day, Tuesday, Heat Sixers, Maverick Suns, Games 5, if necessary. Wednesday, Bucks, Celtics, Warriors, Grizzlies, Game 5, if necessary. Thursday, it's the other series. Friday, the other series. Saturday, you know, we'll, we, we, we'll get to that point. But So this is the only off day here. This Thursday, Cinco de Mayo. No games in the NBA. But there are games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Here's what we saw on Wednesday as we had game twos in the series that began on Monday. The Hurricanes are the only team so far to take a 2-0 series lead as they defeated the Bruins 5-2 and now lead that series two games to none with the series shifting to Boston coming up on Friday. We had the Lightning as an underdog, the only underdog to win here on Wednesday as they evened up their series against the Maple Leafs with a 5-3 win in Toronto. The Wild, who were upset in Game 1, bounced back with a win here in Game 2, 6-2 in this one. Marc-Andre Fleury made 32 saves, was much better here in Game 2 than he was in Game 1. And the Oilers, for everything that we talked about negatively with Mike Smith, for everything that's been written about with Mike Smith, who is now, uh, who had, after the loss on uh, Monday, I believe it was 11 straight playoff losses for Mike Smith. 0-6 in the six playoff games that he has played for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, he heard the chirping, and he responded. Instead of going with Koskinen in net, The Oilers stuck with Mike Smith. He made 30 saves in a shutout effort as the Oilers blanked the Kings 6-0 winning as favorites. So the favorites went 3-1, the Lightning the only underdog to win, and the Overs went 3-1. The only game that did not go over was the 6-0 game because the total was 6.5. So here's what's on the schedule for Thursday night. Penguins-Rangers game two. And these two teams played into triple overtime on Tuesday night. It was the longest game ever at the modern Madison Square Garden. Rangers had a 2-0 lead. Then they had a 3-2 lead. They appeared to score the game-winning goal late in the third period. But it was reviewed and it was determined that it was goaltender interference. This is one of those situations where everybody has a differing opinion on it. And I think that it's, it's one of the rare cases, and this happens a lot when it comes to instant replay. You could show 10 people the same replay review. And I think five will vote one way and five will vote the other way. That's how close this was. Which is interesting because usually when something's that close, it stays with the call on the ice and it's just, it gets all confusing. But anyway, it was determined because keep in mind, 
it's it's the replay offices that are the ones doing the review. And it's not the officials on the ice. So the replay officials are the ones that call down and they review everything and whatever. They determine that it was goaltender interference. So the goal was wiped off the board, remained tied, goes into overtime, double overtime, triple overtime. You know what happened. The Evgeny Malkin deflection goes in past Igor Shesterkin, and the, the Penguins take game one. Much like we saw in the Minnesota series and the Edmonton series, in which the favorite lost in game one, I expect the favorite to bounce back and win in game two and even up the series. And the price is reflective of that as well. Rangers are minus 160 over the Penguins. Uh, It's a much bigger line than what it was for game one. You also throw in the fact that the Penguins will be going with a third string goaltender in this one in Luis Domingue, who who was really good coming in midway or, or late in that second overtime after Casey DeSmith left the game with a lower body injury. So already without Tristan Jari, DeSmith banged up. It'll be Domingue uh, in net for the um, the Penguins against the Rangers. Uh, Rangers minus 160. Capitals and Panthers. Again, this is the same spot. The favorite lost in game one. The Panthers, who are the best home team in the NHL this season. The team that finished with the best record, the most points in the NHL this season. Losing to the Washington Capitals in game one. They are minus 250 here in game two. And I just don't, I can't see them losing. This is a spot. This is one of those situational spots that I, like I felt with the avalanche in game one, where with all the conversations surrounding them with the postseason failures and the early exits, I just felt that it was the perfect storm for Colorado to come out just with a fire underneath them and really put a, an embarrassing, painful hurting on the Predators, which is exactly what they did, taking a 5 nothing lead after the first period. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. That's the type of performance I think we get from the Florida Panthers here against the Capitals. I think that if you had told me before the playoffs 
that the Panthers would be down two games to none, losing both games at home, I would have called you crazy. And it wasn't about disrespecting the Capitals. That's how good the Panthers have been this season, especially at home. So taking a look at the puck line here, Panthers minus a goal and a half at even money, to me, I think is a slam dunk. Because I think they I think they roll here over the Capitals. This is going to be an aggressive Panthers team looking to even up this series. Much like we saw the response from both the Minnesota Wild and the Edmonton Oilers here on Wednesday. Minnesota jumped out to a 3-0 lead after the first period. And it was Edmonton who, after a scoreless first period, scored six unanswered, three in each the second and third periods. As for those avalanche that we loved in game one, and what's not to love about them here in game two, they're minus 400 in this game. I don't think I can recall another time a playoff team was that heavily favored. Uh, and then you have uh, the Flames, minus 230 at home against the Stars. Wouldn't surprise me if Dallas was able to even up that series. I don't expect them to. I like Calgary, but that wouldn't shock me. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get your edge this playoff season with the Body Armor Edge Basketball Throwdown. Join for free, join for free fantasy hoops contests and play for your share of $20,000 in total cash prizes while the action unfolds on the court. Head to DraftKings.com slash BodyArmorEdge now to draft your best lineup and find out if you'll outlast the competition. Body Armor, more than a sports drink. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. And with the NBA uh, playoffs uh, having a day off here on Thursday, I wanted to take a look at where we are in the futures market uh, with some of these uh, series and where we are with the teams. We know the Phoenix Suns right now have a 2-0 lead over the Dallas Mavericks. They're not losing this series. It ain't happening. They look right now every bit as good as they looked during the season and the start of the playoffs. And... They're the favorites to win the title at plus 200. The second favorite is the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are plus 330. They are tied at a game apiece with the Grizzlies. With the series returning or shifting to San Francisco, the Warriors are six and a half point favorites 
in Game 3 on Saturday. I expect them to win. I look at both of these games, and yes, you can say that the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies covered both games. Yes, they did. But in Game 1, it took uh, a, let's see, Clay Thompson basically missing an entire quarter with foul trouble, Draymond Green getting ejected, and Clay Thompson a 91, oh, oh, before that, an out-of-bounds play that was not reviewed that was called a jump ball that was clearly off of a Memphis player that would have been Warriors basketball, and then a 91% free throw shooter in Clay Thompson missing two free throws. Warriors still won, but the Grizzlies got the cover. So it took all of that for the Grizzlies to cover that game. Then in game two, John Morant goes absolutely nuclear with the 47 points. And yes, I know Brooks was ejected, but I think that was kind of canceling out the Gary Payton injury because Payton was so good defensively and did did a good job defending John Morant that, you know, with him not being on the floor, they had to adjust. So uh, it cancels each other out. So Ja going off, combine that with the, I mean, just call it for what it is, abysmal shooting by the Golden State Warriors, something that you really don't see often. They shot that poorly especially from three-point range, it was ugly. And still, at the end of that game, the Warriors had a chance. So um, you look now at the rest of this series, and the Warriors are minus 290 against the Grizzlies. And I think that is that's very telling. So you got the Warriors as the second favorite to win the NBA title, followed by the Miami Heat, who are plus 475 as they have a two-game stint on lead over the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. And the Boston Celtics are plus 500 as the fourth favorite, and they are tied at a game apiece with the Bucks, who are plus 650. As far as that series price, the Celtics are minus 135 in this series, Despite the fact that the Bucks technically now have stolen home court advantage, right? They stole home court. The, 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 it is now 1-1. There are a maximum of five games left in this series and of those five games three of them will be in Milwaukee so they have stolen home court advantage and now the 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 Celtics can do the same if they get one win here in Milwaukee but it's interesting that the Bucks stole home court They are three-point favorites in game three. Yet the series market has the Celtics minus 135 over the Milwaukee Bucks, who are plus 115. What this tells me is the Celtics plus the three are the play in game three. 
They're favored to win the series. They're going to have to win a game in Milwaukee to do that. And plus three in game three, when the series market has them at minus 135? Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> Other uh, future series markets here to uh, take a look at the series scores. There's been no update on the Miami Heat against the Sixers. There's just too much of an unknown, I guess, with um, Joel Embiid, whether or not he is going to return and play in Game 3. So nothing is up on the total games or the series spread for the Miami series. But for the Suns against the Mavericks to finish off in a sweep, they are already up two games to none. To finish off in a sweep, it is plus 220. I, I don't hate that at all. It's plus 160 to finish four games to one, plus 500 to finish four games to two, plus 550, Suns in seven. But no, I think uh, four-game sweep is plus 220. I don't hate that at all. For the Celtics and the Bucks, the Celtics to win in five is plus 650. The Bucks to win in five is plus seven fifty. Uh, Bucks to win, uh, Celtics to win in six is plus four twenty five. The Bucks to win in six, this is interesting, plus three twenty. And then Celtics in seven is the favorite of all of this, plus two forty. And the Bucks in seven is plus five fifty. For the Warriors and the Grizzlies. For the Warriors to win in six is the favorite outcome right now, plus 185. Warriors in five is plus 310. I actually like that. I'm not trying to disrespect Memphis here. But what a great situation the Warriors are in to win in five games. Win game three at home, win game four at home. You go back to Memphis up three games to one with a chance to close it out. You're holding on to a ticket at plus 310. You're, you can lock in profit at that point because the Warriors will be a sm- will be favored even though like the Warriors have been two-point favorites in Memphis. They will probably still be favored if they're up three games to one even though there'll be some sort of market you know, dictating, hey, do or die situation. You got to back the home team. I think it might be one of those cases where you'll have Memphis favored in the first half and the 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 uh, Warriors favored for the game. But there's definitely a way to hedge off of it, right? A, a, a guarantee yourself some profit because let's say they're going to be plus 150 maybe for the game. You're sitting on plus 310 if the Warriors win. You could buy in on plus 150 if the Grizzlies win. Or you just take the Grizzlies with the spread and you give yourself a middle. Like, there's a lot of opportunities there. A lot of opportunities. Plus 310, Warriors to win in five? That is very attractive. Uh, Warriors in seven is plus 425. The Grizzlies to win in seven is plus 400. The Grizzlies to win in six is plus 900. And the Grizzlies to win the next three games and win the series in five is plus 1,900. I actually don't even think that's profitable because, or 
No, I don't want to say profitable. It doesn't make If you were to take, let's say, the Grizzlies on the plus 220 money line in game three and then take your winnings and roll it over to the next game and then take your winnings and roll it over to the next game, which will probably be, like I said, maybe plus 150. Let's go plus 125 even. We'll go conservatively. Your payout is well over $2,300. So that plus 19 offers no value. Instead, money line rollover, money line rollover. I'm Scott Satterberg. Coming up next, we'll get back into the NFL conversation, recap the draft, look forward to some of these teams with uh, our friend Chris Landry, football scout, coach, and consultant from LandryFootball.com. will join me right here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Prove your fighting spirit with the playoffs challenge presented by Modelo. Play free fantasy hoops in the eight part content series and compete for your share of $4,000 per contest. Hit the DraftKings.com slash Modelo now to get it on the action. Modelo, prove your fighting spirit. Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN. Joining us now to recap the NFL draft is football scout coach and consultant Chris Landry, who has worked on staff with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban at the Cleveland Browns, was in the Tennessee Titans front office, and runs LandryFootball.com, always on Twitter, at LandryFootball. And Chris, when it came to the top of the NFL draft last week, uh, no real surprise for me, especially in the top two and even in the top three because I had Stingley going third. But when it came to the Jets, were you surprised that they took Sauce Gardner at four? Not really. I mean, you certainly could make a case for if you were not concerned about his motor, Kayvon Thibodeau, who's gone across the, the town. Um, you could make a case for Evan Neal. Some people have concerns medically about him. Or you could have gone with Ekawano of NC State. Th- those those were the ones that, to me, would be – and I would, would say that with the the cleanest player, regardless of position, would have been Gardner or Ekawano. Uh, with Evan with the medical and Kayvon Thibodeau with the motor. And I think Thibodeau can be a great player. Um, so I, I think it's, to me – the cleanest pick at four with the the guy that has a, a high ceiling but very little floor. It's either Gardner or Ekawano. So if you're one of those that thought, well, maybe they should go tackle and, you know, worried about what's, who they have there and who they've taken there, you could make a case for that. But I knew, and I think a lot of it may have to do with the fact that they had probably those two guys graded equally at corner, and there's a little bit of a drop-off. There's some good ones, but that an elite corner was not to be had if they didn't take them there. And I think they felt better about the depth at the other spots. So I think all grades equal, that's probably led to their decision all along. There's a lot of hype around this Jets draft. You know, it's not just taking sauce. It's it's the ability to uh, to grab some key contributing players in Wilson and Jermaine Johnson and then even getting Brees Hall in this it, it later on. So how did you uh, grade the Jets draft? Well, first of all, I, I don't grade drafts until three years after because it, you don't know who's going to be there and healthy and whatnot. But, you know, to, to play along with, okay, what about the players that they took and how do you like them? And 
I like them. I like really all the way to Mitchell and Clemens, even Ruckert, uh, and you mentioned Hall and Johnson. They got some really good players, I think. Now it's about putting it together and, you know, the, the whole culture in the building and, you know, getting the quarterback to step up now and make plays, give him more playmakers. I think I think we know who had the best draft three years after every year. Uh, and, and I think that uh, that is what it's all about. Because, you know, Scott, we've talked about it. We, we've done this for years. The draft is not an event. I mean, it is become a made-for-TV event, but it's a process in terms of building a team. And, and it's a big, big process of it. But it's it's all about winning in the fall. And, and the teams that do that, you know, can not only manipulate the draft, evaluate the draft, but have the continuity to make it work. So sometimes you draft good individual players, but you still don't win because you don't have either the right chemistry, the right culture, the, the, the right stability. So, you know, in essence, who had the best draft is a piece of the bigger part of a big old pie that determines how well that you do every every April in the uh, in the draft process. Well, we know the most important piece is the quarterback position. Uh, the Steelers uh, take Kenny Pickett. Uh, no surprise that they won after a quarterback, but having Pickett ahead of Malik Willis, and we'll talk about Willis's drop in just a minute. But what do you make of the fit between Kenny Pickett and the Steelers? They knew him better than any of the other guys. He is um, a very sound quarterback while maybe lacking the upside ability of Willis, um, the stability factor, uh, knowing what you've got there, uh, knowing there's not much downside to him. I mean, I think the only issue is how good will Pickett be? I mean, he will be, you know, uh, average, above average, and you're going to have to play well around him. And is he going to be good enough with a good enough team to kind of take you where you want to go. Well, yes. If he's got the other pieces around it, is he a guy that's going to transform a team like we've seen, um, you know, a couple of the, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, even a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a, a Joe Burrow, there's some pieces around him, right? But is he that type of quarterback? No. So you're going to have to be that much better around him, but, I don't, I don't see him being a bust. I don't see him flaming out. Um, you know, you could have a Derek Carr type of guy. You could have a Kirk Cousins type of guy. You could have a notch above, a notch below. But you pretty much know what you're getting with him. And it's a solid organization that's going to run the football and play good defense. If they do it the Steeler way, that's how they do it. I, I would think that they're going to have success with the young guy. Championships, let's hold off on that and let's see what, what they do with the rest of this roster in years to come. What did you make of Malik Willis's fall? Well, I, you know, I think we all thought that I did anyway, that I didn't have a first round grade on a guy. And I think you could look at, make a strong case that he's a better fit in the third round than he is in the first, but you just wonder who's going to maybe get intoxicated or, or dare I say panic. So I, I think you can, can see, it happening the way it did a little bit surprising, but I don't look at it as a precipitous fall. And I think it's about opportunity. So we'll see how it plays out. He's got a future there in Tennessee. 
Uh, and obviously with Tannehill, that's an example of a guy that's a solid quarterback that they're looking to upgrade. So we'll see whether Malik can, you know, again, he'll have a little time to kind of develop his skills. And I think the one thing about it is not being taken in the first round. You're, you're going to see this. There's going to be more pressure on Pickett because he was the higher pick. You know, uh, pressure is pressure, but a lot of the media pressure will go directly correlated to how high the pick was. This will at least give him a little cover, if you will. Is there a team right now that you think uh, has elevated their perception, or is it still too early to tell? Well, I think the good teams, I mean, I think Buffalo, good team, got better in some spots. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I would go so far. As, I mean, I think Indianapolis um, helped themselves. I think Kansas City may have found a, 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 a couple of nice fits for their defense to make them better. Um, but I do think that it's still a lot of wait and see on a lot of these. Um, the Saints plug some holes, but – are they as close as they think they are? You know, um, I, I think it is a lot of a wait and see, quite frankly, because I is studying these players as I do. You know, there's a lot of good players, but to me, it's about how you utilize and develop them. And we just don't know. I mean, is is the best analogy ever given is the groceries have been shopped for and bought. Now it's time to cook the meal. And so uh, it is integral to the taste of your meal, the quality of the ingredients. But the meal is not being cooked yet, so we're going to have to wait and see. And, you know, I, I think if I would have said um, maybe a couple of years ago, the last two years, you know, that Bengals team is starting to do something special. I, I don't know that that would have been real accurate. But if you look at it, a couple of key free agent signings, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, boom, Super Bowl team. They've done a really good job in fortifying what needs to be done to build a roster. Um, or there's some teams out there that may take that next step. We'll, we'll see. There's no Joe Burrow that's being added to the mix. But I would say that Buffalo has done a really nice job. You know, people like – all people always like the Ravens draft. And the reason is they tend to draft what is called media favorites, a lot of known players. Mm -hmm. But the Ravens are a good team, and they're solid. They're kind of that playoff caliber every year, but they're not championship level. And so, you know, if they get an A-plus draft every year, like everybody says, how the heck that they can't, you know, do anything more than just be a playoff team, maybe advance one game, if that. So the reality is, is that the name factor and the development factor, along with how you evaluate players and fit them into your scheme, that's a completely different environment. And I don't think people, people just don't look at it at this time of year, the same way. And, and I'm more of, um, let's kind of let it play out a little more. Let's see how the meal tastes after it's cooked. Love that analogy. Chris, I appreciate the time and the conversation and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Hey, thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate you. He's football scout coach and consultant, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Yeah, we'll wait until we eat the meal to see how it tastes uh, once it's cooked. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll go through the Major League Baseball board for Thursday. Coming up next, this is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vcin.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverages. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, and the Kentucky Derby betting guide. If you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through. July 31st. Sign up now. vcin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here. This is the look ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Let's take a look at the Major League Baseball board for Thursday. Uh, we got a couple of day games. 135 Eastern time is first pitch between the Red Sox and the Angels from Fenway. Shohei Otani against Rich Hill. Couple of things here. Angels are minus 150. Total is eight. I might be buying in. I want to play the Angels in some capacity. The price might be too high here. Or I think it's going to get too high. And I'm thinking maybe an Angels team total. This is an Angels offense that did explode for 10 runs here after being shut out in the first game of this series. But this is my thought process. Rich Hill is starting for Boston. And although he has had two back-to-back really good starts where he's thrown, you know, four or so shutout innings, like he's done really well his last couple of starts. He doesn't throw hard at all. He's like 89 miles an hour. And sometimes that throws batters off, right? Because you're so used to seeing all these hard throwers, especially coming out of the bullpen. And um, sometimes it throws your timing off. Other times it winds up being batting practice and guys just tee off on him. Where I'm really concerned from a Red Sox perspective, where I think it could lead to some offense for the Angels, is the Red Sox bullpen. 
in this game, they were not good. And whether it was Matt Barnes, Salamora, uh, Robles, not good against the Angels here it, it late in this game on Wednesday night. And with Rich Hill only going maybe four to five innings tops, I don't. He's not going to see the sixth inning. At most, this guy's pitching five innings. The Red Sox are going to have to rely on their bullpen to get you through the sixth, seventh eighth, and ninth, maybe even the fifth, but at least the final four innings of this game. And I think that there will be opportunities for the Angels to score runs in those final four innings, at least, against the Red Sox bullpen. So even if they don't get to Rich Hill, I think they'll score on the Red Sox bullpen. So maybe an Angels team total could be the way to go here for uh, this matchup. The Reds take on the Brewers, and... This is a Reds team that is historically bad. I keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until they go on this ridiculous win streak that that might never come. But at 3-21, they are on pace to shatter the record for the worst record in baseball history, the least wins, which was in 2003 when the Tigers only won 43 games. This Reds team, at the most, in my opinion, is winning like 50, 52 games. But I think it could be less than that. But regardless, they're going to have wins. They're going to have 40-something wins for the rest of the season. Like that. So these wins are going to have to come at some point. Do they come against the Milwaukee Brewers? Eh, probably not. But Hunter Green on the mound, his high velocity, good movement on his off-speed. Maybe it's a day game, Brewers a little lackluster. I don't know. Maybe it comes against the Brew Crew, maybe it doesn't. But there will be times. Listen, the Reds are going to be heavily priced as an underdog in every game. So there's going to be times where maybe you want to take the plus money, or there's going to be times where, because you can't bet the other team on the on the money line, so you bet the other team on the run line, and, and yes, the Reds are not covering the run line now, but there will be times when they do. And there will be games when they win. So you got to figure they're going to win probably 40 to 50 games from this point on. Then maybe out of the 90 losses that they'll have from here on out, maybe half of them, no, not half, maybe a third of them are one run losses. I mean, the majority of games every year come down to a run. So I just think that there's going to be a time (laughs) where the Reds are going to sting some people. Will it be on on Thursday? Probably not. Rockies and Nationals, Aaron Sanchez, Antonio Sanzatella, Colorado minus 140, total of 11. You got the Blue Jays at the Guardians, Toronto minus 150, total of 8. Jose Barrios on the hill against Aaron Savali. Um, You got the Mets and Phillies. This is an interesting spread here. Phillies have lost, uh, what is it, three straight games now? Yeah, they lost to the Mets. Then they lost two straight to the Rangers. Phillies are minus 150 at home here. Yeah, it's Aaron Nola on the hill. But Taiwan Walker has been very solid. Um, he is uh, hasn't pitched in a little bit. Last time out against Philly. In fact, the only times that he's pitched this year has been against Philly. On April 11th, 
two shutout innings. And on April 30th, five shutout innings against Philly. The more I think about this, actually, yeah, I know Philly's kind of struggled. And offensively, they're, they haven't been the explosive offense that we expect them to be. But the fact that they're priced at minus 150, one, that's a fishy line that kind of makes me think that this is the right side. But also, this is now going to be the third time they're seeing Taiwan Walker. Maybe this is maybe this is the time they get to him. Aaron Nola, meanwhile, will be facing the Mets for the third time as well. He gave up three runs in three and a third the first time against them, and he gave up three runs in six innings the second time against them. Maybe the Mets will score on Aaron Nola. How about a play on the over? Total is eight, which is interesting. Thought maybe it'd be lower than that. If it's at, if it gets to seven and a half, maybe fire in on on the over there, and that's what we're seeing across Major League Baseball. By the way, is we're seeing these numbers start to creep down as the books have begun adjusting to all the unders that happened at the start of the season, and what we've been seeing is we're getting the we're getting some overs. In fact, we're getting a lot of overs over the past week or so. So keep an eye on that. They start hanging these seven and a halfs, sevens, well, seven and a half, whatever. They keep they start hanging sevens and six and a halfs. You got to go over with these games. On Monday, there were three six and a halfs. They all went over. And there was going to be a six and a half. I think the Dodger game went off at seven yesterday. That went over. We got a six and a half between the Rays and the Mariners coming up here on Thursday. Yes, it's Shane McClanahan. Yes, it's Robbie Ray. But Robbie Ray has not been elite this season. And the Mariners' offense has struggled, which kind of leans me to the under here. But don't be surprised if the Rays tee off on Robbie Ray and this game goes over six and a half, especially if Ray exits early. So I actually like the Rays a lot in that spot. Shane McClanahan against Robbie Ray. Mariners' offense has managed just two runs in the last three games combined. That could be a spot to take a look at. Um... Also, Logan Webb for the Giants at home against Miles Michaelis for the Cardinals. Michaelis has had a great season. He is a regression candidate. Uh, There's no line out just yet on this game. But I might look to the Giants at home here with Logan Webb against the Cardinals. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Nigel Seeley, soccer handicapper at 7.45 a.m. Eastern Time at 8.30 a.m. Our very own Sean King uh, from the nightcap. Former NFL quarterback, he'll join. I'm sure he's going to talk Kentucky Derby. He is very into the horses. And at 9 a.m. Eastern time, Mike Palm, uh, our very own host here at VSIN and the VP of Operations right here at Circa will join the program. That's all coming up this morning on Follow the Money. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is V-CIN.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.